The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Every business needs capital, which means higher profits and lower expenses. Are you aware of the various opportunities available for your business in securing capital? Welcome to Small Business Capital America with Michael Schumacher. Michael and his guests, which include experts, suppliers, and thought leaders, will be discussing these options and solutions to help raise your bottom line. Now, here's your host, Michael Schumacher. Hello, and welcome back to this week's edition of Small Business Capital America on the Voice America Network. I'm your host, Mike Schumacher. On our show, we discuss and we analyze capital issues for the businesses of Main Street, exploring that eternal question, capital, rent it or print it? When I refer to businesses of Main Street, I'm referring to the small and mid-sized businesses in the United States with revenues of between 10000 a month and $10 million a month. That's our target. That's who we're talking about here. When I refer to rent with regard to capital in our show, what we're really talking about is borrowing, getting outside capital, a loan, debt, whatever you want to call it, introduced debt capital. When I refer to print with regard to capital on the show, we're really talking about profits. And that's not a dirty word. As entrepreneurs, we know that's what it's about. That's about increasing sales, reducing costs, or that nirvana of a combination of those two that produces the highest profits. Look, I'm an entrepreneur. I understand capital issues are dynamic. And the likely capital solution for most businesses is a blend of rented and printed capital. Not only is it a blend, but it's a blend that changes over time. That mix, that extraordinary mix between rented and printed capital changes as our business changes. Internal, external influencers come into play as our business plan changes, as our model changes, our capital mix, our capital plan, if you would, needs to change with that. And when I say mix, I'm talking about that powerful leverage. Because think about it. If you have printed capital, profits, if you would, and you're able to leverage that up with some rented capital, when your profits are there, you're multiplying your profits using rented capital. On the other hand, if you're not profitable or your profits are shrinking and you leverage up with rented, you're multiplying the challenge. So we want to deal with both the rented and the printed capital on this show. This week's episode is primarily around printed capital, and uh, the show includes, here's an outline for you. Of course, we're going to get in as much information as we can. That's the nature of the show. We're going to talk about a view of capital markets from the supply side. It's so important that as entrepreneurs, we understand the supply side, what those lenders are thinking about the market and about us. So we're going to spend some time on that. 
Then we're going to go dig, dive deep right into some key printed capital solutions. How do we increase profits? What can we do to increase those profits? We're going to do a review, popular demand here. I do get requests for this. A few episodes back, we did a surviving the loan process. We also have it available on video and some other medias. But we're going to do a review of surviving the loan process, the business loan process. We're going to touch on key terms as we can and, uh, you know, just uh, a review of upcoming show subjects. Uh, Just a reminder here, what we do on this show is all things rented and printed capital for businesses. What we don't do is we don't do personal finance other than the mere fact that your business is probably a large part of your personal finance, and we don't do politics on the show at all. I'm going to go off script for just a moment because we've talked on previous episodes about banks and the role they play in lending today, in the past, and in the future. You know, banks have a unique position in the marketplace from a capital standpoint. And their involvement in small business has been changing. Obviously, they're doing less small business loans, as we've documented many times. But they've always funded the secondary funders, those private lenders. Banking has been always one source of capital for them. Started out with the factoring or accounts receivable guys and the equipment guys. Uh, Lines of credit from banks were a primary source of capital for them. Uh, and that was a way banks could maybe take on a little riskier positions by having those secondary players be the primary lenders, and they're just aggregating through a line of credit. Well, the market has changed, as we keep talking about. The secondary market funders are now getting capital from private equity, hedge funds, insurance company, other institutions with large cash positions who are looking for yield that they're not getting in any other space. So where banks are constricting, private equity and other sources of capital are helping the secondary market or these aggregators. So I don't want to say banks aren't involved anymore because they are. They're just not the key drivers, and we need to understand that. I'm reminded of a quote by Mark Twain, and I'm going to tell you it's Mark Twain because I want you to understand the source has some humor. But the quote also really hits home for me, and I use it often. And that is, a banker is the kind of fella who on a sunny day will loan you his umbrella. But the first forecast of rain, he'll ask for it back. Doesn't that kind of remind you of your relationship with your bank? It's not their fault. They're not bad individuals, but there are Structural and regulatory things that prevent them from being that supporting partner that private lenders can be. So just think about that, if you would. Let's jump into the capital markets uh, from the supply side. These are the providers of capital. This is what they have to say about small business funding and the market for small business funding. I'm going back to Pepperdine's Private Capital Market Project Survey from 2015 by Dr. Craig Everett. And I'm just going to highlight some key points that I want to drive home just one more time as we understand what they're thinking about us as entrepreneurs, those investors and lenders. So the first thing that I get out of that survey is, What kind of return are these people looking for, the providers of capital? So banks, 
looking for a 3 to 5% yield or rate of return. Asset-based lenders, a 4 to 10% rate of return. Mezzanine investors, that blend of equity and debt, they're looking for an 8 to 16% return on their investment. Private equity is looking for a 25 to 30% return, and we're moving up the risk scale here. Venture capital is looking for a 25 to 33% return, and angel investors are looking to a 25 to 30% return according to the results of the survey. Hopefully the survey is accurate, but remember, they're relying on what people are telling them. Okay, it's a survey. It's not any deeper data than just a survey. So, you know, a couple of things I take away from that are as you move up the risk scale, there does seem to be some increase in yield that they're looking for. But it flattens out between private equity, venture capital, and angel. And, and those three groups are kind of competing right now. They're not kind of competing. They are competing for the same type of investments as everybody chases yield, that important concept of return. You know, investment bankers are not our primary audience when we're private or or small businesses, but they do provide some insight into what's happening in general business. And what they're saying is in the transactions that they're seeing as investment bankers, these are people who typically structure the sale of an organization or the parcel sale of an organization, is that approximately 18% of the transactions are closing or in manufacturing, and 14 are in business services, and 11% are in consumer goods. Those are the top three categories of business that there's interest in. If there's interest in an acquisition, there's usually interest in capital. Uh, Beyond those three industries, healthcare and biotech, wholesale and distribution seem to be having some interest, IT, financial services and real estate, construction and engineering, basic materials and energy, media and entertainment. That's what they're telling us from their perception, okay? And we need to know that. They're also saying, and I'll explain this in a minute, that financial investors – Versus strategic investors, strategic investors are 52% of the activity right now. Now, a strategic investor is somebody who already operates in a space or wants to work in a specific business space, okay, uh, whether it be biotech or manufacturing. And f- so if 52% are strategic buyers, that means 48% are financial buyers. What does that tell us? Well, the more financial buyers you have, the greater the amount of capital that's out there and available. So right now, because strategic buyers are outweighing financial buyers still, there's not tremendous capital out there. If that shifts, if we see that financial buyers are really entering the M&A world in a serious manner again, that means there's a lot of capital out there. And we need to know when there's capital out there because we need to find ways to get a part of it for ourselves. Private equity companies tell us a little bit different story. Um, 63% of them say that demand for that equity is up from 12 months ago. That's good. We probably figured that, right? That's the good news for the general economy. The bad news is for us as entrepreneurs, and remember we identified in earlier shows that as entrepreneurs and small businesses, our typical size loan we're looking for is between 100 and 500,000. But what the 
private equity companies are telling us is that most of their checks are written 32% in the one to $5 million range. And the only 7% are in the under a million dollar range. So as a small business owner, mid-sized business owner, private equity probably isn't a source of capital, but we need to keep an eye on it and see if things change there. Also, um, you know, one of the things that they tell us is, and we probably already know this as entrepreneurs, but it's important that we also know that they perceive it. And they say that there are more credit-worthy companies than capital available to finance them. That's in the $1 million and less. So they recognize that while there are only 7% of their investments are in that category, they recognize that the need or the demand outsupplies the, outpaces the supply. Excuse me. All right. What do bankers and asset-based lenders tell us? Well, they tell us that uh, last 12 months they're seeing decreasing credit quality for buyer, from borrowers. Okay. Hmm. There's some challenges out there. We understand that. Uh, those challenges we talked about a few episodes back. It's things like, you know, some profitability pressures or collateral has has caved on us and not recovered fully since the uh, Great Recession. They also tell us that uh, they expect to see an increased demand for business loans. Okay. Is, is there any response as to what they're doing? No, but they're expecting an increase. And they say currently 29% of them see – of Lenders see the largest challenge to business, small businesses, is economic uncertainty. Well, thank you very much. Did we not already know that? But now we know they see it. It's their perception. Banks tell us a very similar story here in size of transaction. The largest concentration of loan sizes from banks is in the $1 to $5 million range. 44% of their loans are in that range. And just 20% are in the million dollar less range, which is what we typically want as entrepreneurs and small business owners. So um, why are these getting declined by banks? Number one reason, quality of earnings or cash flow, ability to service the debt. Number two reason, insufficient collateral, 25% of the time, that's the reason. And the third highest reason for declining by a bank would be debt load. Uh, they, they tell us a couple of things more, and, and I'll just jump, touch on these real quick. Uh, they, they by far and away think the demand for business loans, like I said, is going to increase. 49% of them say it's going to increase. 18% of them say it's going to decrease. That's a 31% differential. That's a lot. They also tell us that general business conditions are improving. 69% said they are. They're not doing anything to help yet, but that's their perception of the marketplace. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back after the break. Thank you. BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit bizdoccapital.com. Again, bizdoccapital.com. Are you looking to get noticed in today's business world? Listen for... 
Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is the show that will help you survive and thrive in business today. It's what you can do differently that will help you stand apart from everybody else in the field. Lisa Chickles and her guests can show you just how to gain that unique edge. Chat with Chickles can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at biz.capital.com. That's M. Schumacher at B-I-Z-D-O-C-Capital.com. Now, back to Small Business Capital America. Welcome back to Small Business Capital America on the Voice America Network. I'm your host, Mike. In this segment, we're going to focus on those printed capital solutions, if you would, that profit, the increasing revenue, the reduced expenses, and the nirvana of a combination of those two. We're going to talk about some of the ways that supporting groups, outside groups, can help us improve our profitability within our organization, therefore printing our own capital. I'm going to do an overview here, understanding that in future episodes, we're, we're going to provide more information. And you can always reach out to us at www.biz.capital.com. Or call us at 844-249-3621 for additional information. First thing I'm going to talk about is turnaround or renewal consulting. Did this for a lot of years in my career with Fortune 50 companies. And what this is about is either your organization struggling or you simply want to take it to that next level. It's hard when you're in the thick of the battle by yourself every day and your team because, you know, your team will reflect you and, and, and sometimes it's hard to give honest opinions back. So you always want to consider an outside source of help for renewal or turnaround consulting. Now, there are some caveats around that, and that is don't bring in an outside person to help you with your renewal or your turnaround if you're expecting that that person is going to come in and single-handedly solve your challenge. What you're looking for is someone who's going to bring an outside perspective. They're going to bring some tools. And most of us turnaround guys, we've got a little toolkit in our tool belt, and we can pull that out at any time. It's tools and resources you wouldn't normally have. But you want to make sure that you're hiring somebody with that toolkit. You're making sure you're getting bringing in somebody with those outside ideas, a perspective that's different than yours. But more than anything, after sharing those tools 
and sharing that perspective, you want your turnaround or renewal person that's helping you, this outside person, to hold you accountable. Wow, it's like you're the employee almost. But no, think about it. They need to hold you accountable that if you agreed you were going to take these steps by this date, they've got to be the person that says the emperor has no clothes. They've got to be the person that comes out and tells you, you know what, we agreed that this would happen by this date, and it didn't. So what are you looking for when you bring some outside help in to renew or turn around your organization? You're looking for outside perspective, maybe from other industries, maybe from the same industry. You're looking for that toolkit or toolbox that they bring to the table. And then thirdly, you're looking for somebody that's got the fierce will and the humility out of the book Good to Great by Collins to hold you accountable. Not an easy thing to find. The next sort of concept to improve your profitability or print capital is CFO leasing. And, you know, a chief financial officer can bring tremendous perspective, controls, and accountability to an organization. Most organizations, small businesses who are evolving and thinking about bringing in a CFO, run into a little bit of a challenge. And that is that their sales are growing, their profitability is improving, and they know they need somebody in that position to help take them to the next level. But they can't quite swallow the idea of $150,000 salary for total compensation for a person of high quality and experience that can come in and be their CFO. So what happens? You, you know you need it. You can't afford that person. So you bring in the bookkeeper or you promote the bookkeeper and you call him a CFO and you're paying him $50,000, $60,000 a year. You're not getting everything you want and they're uncomfortable because they know they're not giving you everything you want and it ends up being a challenge or a waste and a frustration. Enter CFO leasing. The concept is timeshare. What if you could get a $150,000, $200,000 year CFO, a high-quality, high-expectation high guy or girl, and you could get that person for the cost of that $50,000, $60,000 bookkeeper you called a CFO. You can because in the early stages, you really don't need that CFO full-time, so you're going to rent part of their time. Enter CFO leasing. You get all of the benefits of a high-quality CFO without the high cost of that full-time person. CFO leasing, when you're on the verge of taking your business to the next level, highly recommend it as a profitability move. The next thing that comes to mind when we are trying to improve profitability is what we can learn from our peers. We, along with many other organizations, operate different variations of a concept called peer groups. That's where you put together groups of usually 8 to 12 entrepreneurs, business owners, CEOs, and you become each other's board of directors, if you would. So you're meeting on a monthly basis. You're reviewing each other's financials. You're beginning to hold each other accountable as a board of directors. And you're doing that for each other, so you really don't have the cost but you get so much benefit. You get to talk to people who suffer and experience the same things you do on a daily basis as an entrepreneur. Peer groups are so powerful. So we operate, many people operate them, 
we're introducing a concept this summer called virtual peer groups. So one of the challenges of peer groups is you, you, you spend a half a day a month out of the office in meetings with your peer group, and you spend other times too just on, in one-offs with members of your peer group. So they're, they're a little bit time-consuming. You've got to leave the office. We're doing a kind of a virtual concept. If you look at today's learning environment, a lot of online learning is happening, and it's happening somewhat synchronized. In other words, everybody's online at the same time, and also asynchronized. So we're doing a asynchronized, synchronized version, both elements included, of peer groups online, and we include also in that the tools we would use from a turnaround. So you have access to all those tools, and you have access to your peers, and it's just a really powerful way for you to improve your profitability with a fairly low-cost investment. Going to spend a little bit of time here in a few minutes talking about credit repair and then the business savings programs that are, that are out there. These are just, I'm just touching on a few of the potential savings opportunities that we have available to help you build your business and your profitability. So credit repair. Why would I include credit repair as part of a business profit improvement? The answer is simple. Your credit, personal credit, as a business owner, impacts your ability to get capital at a lower cost. In other words, poor credit in personal life can mean higher cost of capital in business life. Now, there's no magic wand to uh, restore your credit. Um, People are telling you there's a magic wand. That's probably not really true. But the good news is there are ways, perfectly legal credit restoration ways, to get rid of inaccuracies, misstatements, misleading information, and get to your point where your credit report tells an accurate picture of what's really happening in your credit world. So there's dispute resolution, there's credit validation letters, credit account validation forms, there's legal notices, there's demand notices, there's all these things that a quality credit repair group can bring to the table to help you improve your credit. Just want to cover a couple of things about credit repair and credits, and that is number one, your FICO score. Uh, just Let's just break down what's influencing your your FICO score. 35% of your FICO score is influenced by your payment history. That's the timely payment on credit cards, installment loans, mortgage loans, and other finance company debt. Another part, large part of your credit score is impacted by your outstanding debt. So 30% of your credit score is impacted by your outstanding debt, and that is the relationship between your credit limit with these revolving credits and how much you actually have on debt. Let me give you an example. If you have a $10,000 credit card and you have $9,500 on that credit card, so you've got a high balance relative to your limit, that is probably hurting your credit score. However, if you have the same $10,000 credit limit and you only have 500 to 1,000, usually less than 50%, then that is probably helping your credit score. So that outstanding debt. Credit history. Uh, How long have you been building credit? Uh, When's the last time you opened up a new credit line? 
Uh, when's the last time you had activity on your credit line? That's about 15% of your credit score. Pursuing new credit. Well, I got to tell you, um, that pursuit of new credit influences about 10% of your credit score. If you're out there and you have 10 inquiries in the last month, that's going to have a negative impact on your credit score. However, if you just have the occasional inquiry uh, for new credit, that's not an impact. Types of credit used, uh, that's about 10% of your credit score. So what's the relationship between credit cards and mortgages? Um, you know, Are you spending most of your credit on discretionary items or on the more necessary items of housing and transportation? Think about that. We, we always believe that uh, you know, it's important from a credit repair standpoint to be uh, understanding the power here. So you know, if you're going for a home mortgage, uh, your credit score can influence your credit or your cost of capital anywhere from 3% to 9%. So it's powerful. And it's the same thing in a business loan. Um, if you've got great credit, I can get you in a 6% business loan tomorrow. If you've got weak credit, you may pay three times or more that. So it can impact you and your profitability. That's very important. Uh, when we're, from, from a standpoint of BizDoc as an organization doing credit repair, uh, we really believe in this proven concept that persistence wears out resistance. In other words, we go every legal means possible to repair your credit, and we're just persistent. We challenge, we challenge, we work, we challenge. So that's a little bit about credit repair and why it is important in my mind to be a big part of how you print capital or increase your profits because you're, in, you're decreasing your costs or reducing your expenses related to capital. On the next segment, uh, on the other side of this break, we're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to cover just a whole bunch of general savings programs that we have, and then we're going to jump into uh, some of the next subjects. I look forward to seeing you on the other side. Talk very soon. Thanks. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit bizdoccapital.com. Again, bizdoccapital.com. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. 
Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at biz.capital.com. That's mschumacher at bizdoccapital.com. Now, back to Small Business Capital America. Welcome back to this segment of Small Business Capital America. America, and we're on the Voice America Network. I'm your host, Mike Schumacher. On this segment, we're going to spend some time talking about some business savings ideas that we have for businesses. These are zero risk. In other words, if these don't save you any money, you pay zero. And they are dollars, low-hanging fruit, that's sitting out there waiting for you today to take advantage of. Again, some of these are going to be tax-based. Some of these are going to be operational-based. But they're savings dollars that are out there today based on your existing situation in business that can bring profit to the table with zero risk. Don't find you any savings. You don't pay any money. Okay? So going into these, if you ever want uh, more information, please visit our website, www.business.capital.com. Dot com or call us toll free at 844-249-3621. So business savings programs. We're going to talk about some tax saving ideas here first. And we'll jump in through a mix of savings opportunities. First one is a concept called cost segregation. And this is a tax planning strategy that accelerates your depreciation and offers some tax payment deferment on commercial property for some specific things that you've done. Uh, we have a team of professionals, and, and we're not the only ones that offer this service, but this isn't competing with your tax guy. This is additional services where we're putting engineers, tax experts, and legal scholars together, and we're helping you recover accelerated depreciation on your property that's going to save you money. Again, if you have a property, this doesn't cost you anything unless we save money for you. So some of the general requirements are you have to have a commercial property of $500,000 or more. Um, You have to have done some leasehold improvements or renovations in the last 20 years. And you have to pay federal taxes. Sounds like most people, right? 90% of commercial property owners qualify for this. Okay, The whole process takes about 30 to 45 days. Uh, We're paid on uh, a percentage of what we save you, and it's real easy to get started. Again, these are dollars that you already have a right to that may be just hanging there waiting for you to take advantage of. At the same time as we do commercial property cost segregation, we can also do a property tax review. This is a review of your real and personal property tax assessments. And they often result in lower property taxes by 
identifying opportunities. You know, if you, again, have commercial or real property taxes exceeding $50,000 per year, you know, we've got a really good chance of saving you anywhere from 10 to 20% on your taxes. Nothing illegal here. These are dollars that you have a right to because you didn't have the right knowledge or solution. You haven't gotten them yet. Again, no cost to you unless we save you some money. Other dollars that are out there from the government would include things like hiring incentives. You know, if you're a regular employer of people and you are a regular hiring organization that has to train people, if you think about it, that's what society wants and that's what our government is going to incentivize to do. So there are a lot of incentives out there for you around hiring and training and research and development that you maybe didn't know you had the opportunity to take advantage of. If you hire 100 employees or more a year or you've got a million and a half or more in payroll, there's probably opportunity for us to save you dollars on your taxes. This is dollars in your pocket. Again, if we don't save you, it doesn't cost you. When I think about some of these tax-saving programs, I think about, well, you know, as an entrepreneur, I want to know how much of my time am I going to have to invest? Well, quite frankly, very little. Probably less than an hour of your time and a little bit of documentation from you or your accounting staff can save you a tremendous amount of money. We do all the work. We do all that work, in most cases, before you've played us a dime. We do that and we share in the savings later that we get you. So why not take advantage of tax savings? Our group that we have that works in this arena on a regular basis, they're, they're, they're fantastic. Uh, this is what they do for a living. This is how they help us. It's not just cost segregation. It's not just property tax mitigation. It's not just the research R&D credits. It's not the training credits or the hiring incentives. Uh, there's energy and uh, energy-related tax incentives. There's domestic product deduction that's out there right now that we can help you take advantage of. There's additional custom-negotiated tax incentives that are out there. Uh, Anybody who exports, we've got some incentives for you. So this is something where you invest less than an hour of your time, and we hand you back opportunities for money. A lot of people spend money in the business world on waste removal. Isn't that an interesting and exciting concept? You know, if you spend $500 or more a month, there's a high likelihood, 80% likelihood, if you would, that we can save you anywhere from five dollars to $15,000 a year on that waste removal and also help you with some green concepts along the way. Again, doesn't take a lot of your time, but... Ultimately, what it does do is it provides you dollars in your pocket and, in this case, a chance to do some green work. Workers' compensation. As an employer, I understand the challenges and the expenses related to workers' compensation as well as anybody. Most of us, unless we're very astute, have savings opportunities within our workers' compensation I'm not here to sell you workers' compensation insurance, and most people uh, that work in the field that we do 
aren't here to save you the workers' compensation or change, or change your workers' compensation insurance at all. We're here to save you money on your existing program. It has to do with how employees are classified, how work is classified. The savings are there. If you've been in business at least three years and you're spending $40,000 a year or more on workers' compensation, obviously we can help you, 70% of you at least, can help you go ahead and save money on your workers' compensation, and we're not looking for you to change providers in any way, shape, or form. Another great opportunity. Got a partner that we've worked with for, for years who, who did a lot of shipping with UPS and FedEx. Uh, spent millions every year with those two organizations. And the owner's frustration, many of us feel this, was around the bills are so complicated. Trying to figure out, you know, Am I paying the right amount? Um, How would I save money? It's just a nightmare. This particular guy had a company where he had a lot of IT people. So a fairly profitable company. He said, you know, I'd like you guys to build me a model that, A, tells me using technology whether I'm spending the right amount, if I'm even billed correctly on my parcel shipments, And number two, tell me how I can save money using technology and automation to go ahead and make my company more profitable. They spent about a year, year and a half on it, and lo and behold, they found a pretty significant savings. Um, You know, if you spend more than $200,000 in annual shipping costs, there's a 90% plus chance we can save you a lot of money. And what we're doing is we're using what he already built for his company. It's already successful, and he's saving on parcel shipping. You're going to say the same thing. Again, we're not asking you to switch from one parcel company to another. We're asking you to, A, make sure you're paying the right amount, and B, show you ways that you can save on that. We do the work. You provide us some, some invoicing information, and we do the work of coming back to you with here's the recommendation, and we share in the savings. That sounds like a pretty fair process. Kind of a neat, um, I, th- I think, add-on to that is that same gentleman whose company shipped a lot of product also processed a lot of credit cards. And he said, you know, he looked one day and said, I'm spending a tremendous amount of money hundreds of thousands of dollars a year processing credit cards. And so he's put the same group that did the parcel shipping, that same IT group, together on the problem of how do I reduce my credit card costs? And they did figure out a model of how to do that and how to do it in a way that's very efficient. We can do the same thing for you. Again, not work on your part. Provide us some invoices on your credit card processing Allow us to do the work. If you take more than $300,000 a month annually in credit cards, there is a high chance that you can realize a savings of 20% or more. And we just get paid a percentage of the savings. We cost you nothing if we save you nothing. We can do the same thing on cell phone audits. We can take a look at your cell phone bill. If you're spending $1,000 a month on, on cell phones in your business, then you know there is a high likelihood, 90% success rate, that we can save you 20 to 25% on that. It doesn't cost you anything. If we don't save you money, you don't pay us anything. 
have another organization. This is a unique concept. I think entrepreneurs are wonderful because we think of ways to solve problems. We work with a group that took a look at all the class action suits. It started because their company was eligible for a class action uh, in a class action suit to to participate in some of the funding uh, proceeds from that action suit. And they didn't know about it and somehow missed out on it. So what this company does for a living, and I think this is so cool, is they you register with them and they learn a little bit about your business and they just simply sign you up for every class action suit that you could possibly think of that you might be eligible for based on your business and your industry. Again, it doesn't cost you anything unless they get you some savings or some dollars back. This is powerful stuff. These are the kinds of things where you invest just a little bit of your time, let the experts come back to you with a solution, make those experts work for that solution because they don't get paid unless they come to you with the solution. We'll continue on here after the uh, next segment. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, a couple more savings programs in general, and then we're going to touch base on surviving the business loan process as we have time. And we'll keep going from there. Look forward to seeing you on the other side. Thank you. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit bizdoccapital.com. Again, bizdoccapital.com. You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at bizdoccapital.com. That's mschumacher at bizdoccapital.com. Now, back to Small Business Capital America. Hello, and welcome back to our final segment of Small Business Capital America on the Voice America Network. I'm Mike Schumacher, your host. We were touching base on some of the savings opportunities, the opportunities for you to print your own capital before the break. Uh, We're going to touch base on more of them in another episode, but I want to catch a couple more, and then we're going to jump into uh, surviving the small business loan process, a review of that that program, and uh, close out the show. So, 
you know, healthcare costs. And we hear a lot about it's not a political show, but you hear a lot about uh, Obamacare and all the challenges that presents. But beyond Obamacare and all the challenges that that may present, healthcare costs have been going out of control for many, many years. And what we think about is solutions coming to us that just push the cost from one person to another and don't really produce real savings. Let me tell you, there are some real opportunities out there for you to reduce your health care costs and do it in a way that's not a negative to your employees. Um, these programs require a lot of insurance uh, experts, and I'm probably not the person to explain them in full. But I do want you to know that there's solutions out there, and please reach out to us if you're challenged by health care costs. They're, they're increasing um, constantly. Some of it has to do with uh, political things, but mostly it's just no one has figured out a solution that's actually going to reduce health care costs over time. Uh, in an efficient manner. So reach out to us. We have some ideas. Uh, we can put you with the right experts to go ahead and uh, place you in a program that's going to save you some money there. Spent a lot of years early in my career uh, with a Fortune 50 company in the distribution business, and I did a lot of my work on the purchasing side. So I know that screening vendors and finding the right quality vendors uh, is a challenging process. I'm not talking about pricing or negotiating pricing. Um, that's best done internally. But this whole concept of making sure that they're in compliance and they're doing things from a regulatory standpoint that won't cause you downstream problems is very, very expensive. We work with a partner company that goes ahead and does all your vendor screening and makes sure that they maintain compliance and regulatory requirements on an autom- in an automated way. So if you're in the hotel or manufacturing or food distribution business or uh, you're dealing with military or, or government agencies and you need to make sure that you have great vendor compliance, you know, outsource it. You don't have to do that yourself. Spend your time making yourself money. Uh, we have a company that does that on an outside basis. It's totally automated, and it really is a value proposition. I'd love to explain more to you there, but you know, please reach out to us. Uh, if your company has more than 250 vendors that you're dealing with, we can definitely help you. All right. Let's jump from printing capital. We'll touch more on that in later episodes. Uh, there's lots of ways to print capital, as we all know to surviving the business loan process. We did an overview of this manual, uh, which is available online at our website, www.bizdoccapital.com. And uh, it's also uh, in in a written form, but I want to make sure that I go through the, the manual real quick with you here as a review. We break this down in a four step process. Step number one, the first half of the decision to borrow or not to borrow, Step number two, document preparation and underwriting preparation. Step number three, how to find the best lenders given your situation in a highly fragmented environment. And then step four is a decision. That's the final part of to borrow or not to borrow. In step number one, we ask that you make a decision here about what you think the financial benefit to 
these outside funds that you want to introduce will be. Quantify. How much money am I going to make and when am I going to make that? So by borrowing this money, I'm going to either increase my revenue or I'm going to reduce my expenses or I'm going to do some combination thereof, but you've got to quantify. My benefit to this borrowing will be X number of dollars because later once we have qualified what your benefit will be, we're going to take a look at what the costs will be and if the benefit outweighs the cost and you've gotten the best cost available, then the decision to borrow or not to borrow becomes a very easy one. Step number one, what is the financial benefit to borrowing for you? Step number two is document preparation and underwriting preparation. Being prepared for a funding and providing accurate information and timely information is critical to that funding success. The underwriting loan decision is based on one of three areas of interest. Number one, the capacity. Can you afford to service the debt? Number two, collateral. What assets might be available to mitigate the lender's risk in the event of a default? And number three, credit and character. That's both personal and business credit and character. You know what? The Internet's a powerful thing. If somebody wants to learn about your business learn about you, it's easy to do. So underwriting, this is an area where you want to provide the information up front. While strength in at least one of those areas, capacity, collateral, or credit, is essential to getting any kind of funding, the more areas you can demonstrate strength in, the better your loan offer will be. That will mean better rate, better terms. Depending on the type of funding, some of the documents that you'll be asked for include Tax returns, you're going to be looking for at least one year's personal tax returns and two years of business tax returns. You're going to want interim financial statements, a P&L and a balance sheet. You're going to look for bank statements, complete bank statements for the last six months, accounts receivable aging reports, accounts payable aging reports. Run a copy of your own credit report, please. Let's know what we're starting with early on, and that doesn't ding you to run your own credit report. We want a completed application, uh, a schedule of any existing debt, how much you owe, who you owe it to, what the rate and terms are, kind of looking for an asset listing, what assets are owned by the business, how much they're worth, what your debt is on those, and what your debt service is on those. Be looking for, in most cases, a personal financial statement, uh, going to look for entity formation documents, licenses, any insurance that's required. And most importantly, know what you're going to use those funds for and tell them how you're going to benefit from the use of that funds. Now, not every one of these items is, a, is necessary for every funding that we offer. But the more you provide, the better the rate, the better the term that you're going to get. As one of my lending partners famously puts it, accurate and complete financial documents, that financial picture, if you would, can make the difference between 6% APR and 130% APR. So this is important. Step number three, because this is a highly fragmented market, small business lending, thousands of lenders, all kinds of niches, we recommend you work with a professional who has access across all of those niches, all of those different lenders, and knows the funding landscape and can guide you through the process. Here's a really cool thing. The lender pays them. 
So once you get, step four here, once you get the best rate and term available and you compare that to the cost of capital, that, that, that becomes cost of capital, excuse me, and you compare that to the benefit of borrowing that you did in step one, if that benefit from borrowing outweighs the best cost of capital available to you, move forward, get the loan, make your life happy, and go from there. This is powerful stuff. On the future episodes, we're going to be talking about some other neat things, and I just want to go through just a touch on some of the future episodes. BizDoc Savings will continue, uh, and a little bit more about credit repair. We're going to talk about assets, loans, to working capital. So you take an asset and you turn that into working capital. We're going to talk about SBA loans in the future. We're going to spend some more time on turnarounds and CFO leasing, peer groups, credit-only solutions, HR to capital, uh, payroll to capital, funding through royalties, just a lot of different subjects out there, a lot of information to give you, all about helping you rent and print capital to keep your business going. Thank you for your time, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune into Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Best wishes, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.